what Keep Kids Alive is all about. It's all about preserving relationships. So Jacoby was this sunny little chocolate boy of mine. He had these beautiful round marble eyes and he loved music. And that was a thing about him that I could remember that he was involved in and he would dance and he would move. So in the short life, that is something that I always remembered about him. I think with any person that has children, a crazy thought passes their mind every now and then that, God, what if something happened to my kids? What would I do? You see things happening all over the world to children. And then you said, oh my God, I don't know if I can actually take it. And so with Jacoby dying, I knew that obviously I can take it because I'm sitting here talking to y'all right now and I'm able to withstand everything and still be able to produce in his memory. You can literally reduce crime via traffic calming, beautify communities, which makes people more likely to utilize them appropriately and less likely to, to violate and vandalize. You can bring new business into your community by engaging traffic calming strategically. I want to uh, welcome our listeners. This is the Keep Kids Alive podcast. I'm Tom Everson. I'm the executive director and founder of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. We're a nonprofit traffic safety education organization with a, a mission of helping to make streets safer for all who walk, cycle, play, drive, and ride. So that includes all of us, no matter where we live, no matter who we care about, who loves us, and who we love. Today, we have Shamayim Harris, who is well known as Mama Shu. And Mama Shu, she's a community organizer. She's a school board member. She's a police chaplain. She is the founder of uh, Avalon Village, which we will learn uh, much about in this podcast. But I think most of all, Mama Shu is a mom. She's a mom to Jacoby and uh, Chin, and she is a mother to so many in her community that make up her large, extended, and growing family. I know my wife, Wendy, and I, we feel privileged to feel part of that family that Mama Shu has uh, gathered around her to support her mission with Avalon Village. Welcome, Shu, to the Keep Kids Alive podcast. I always like to start with a connection story and want to invite you maybe to share your recollections of how we connected. Okay, so from what I can remember how we met was actually I was invited out to a conference that you was having the first time ever in Nebraska. And Robin and I came and there was a soap opera lady who was involved in getting me there. And it was a beautiful conference. And that's how I believe that we connected initially. I was invited to come down and had a good time and fellowshiped with people who had similar stories and similar experiences. And that soap opera star, her name is Arlene Sorkin. Uh, she's a retired actress, screenwriter who lives out in Los Angeles. And she actually had sent me a uh, video from, I think, a interview you had with CBS News a few years ago to tell your story. And Arlene, I had known her since I think about 2005. And she kind of nudged me along, said, you got to connect with Shu." That's what prompted my follow-up. And then when we had our uh, first fundraising dinner a couple of years ago, I think back in 2018, Arlene stepped up and sponsored your being able to come out here and be able to speak at the dinner. We were very privileged to have you there. And I feel like our conversation today, it, it builds on a very special uh, couple hours that Wendy, my wife, and I uh, spent on the very porch that you're sitting on right now. We were able to come out to Highland Park, to Avalon Village in uh, early July of this year. It's 2021. And be able to just sit and have a conversation and learn about your work, your mission, your passion, and many of the people who help to realize the vision that uh, you have for Avalon Village. So what I'd, I'd like to uh, invite you to do is to share your story and to talk Maybe about Jacoby to start out with, because uh, I mean, I feel like he's the inspiration, the uh, the spirit that really drives your mission. 
So Jacoby Ra, my baby boy, was born in 2005. And unfortunately, he was killed by a hit and run driver September the 23rd, 2007. He was two years, one month and six days old. He was just a, a, a toddler. And that right there was very, very life changing. I did stuff for the school system, you know, just for 27 years with schools. But this kind of put a charge to really make children more safer, create an environment for children that they could be nurtured. They could be safe from everything, cars, all of the wrongdoings and everything that go out into the world and just basically just extend myself as a servant in the area that I was already working in. And so I developed a park. It's called Jacoby Rye Park here on Avalon Street. This was a blighted block here in Highland Park that I had looked at. Jacoby, he actually got killed on Rhode Island Street. That's where I live. But Avalon Street is where I would pass going to work every day. And I would see this block all blight. I was like, wow, this would be really nice to go and put my ministry there and just clean up the block and build things for the community to rebuild and to basically help rebuild. This was even before Jacoby had passed. After he died, six months right after, the house that I was looking at and dreaming about like, okay, I want to move in there, put my ministry in there and just really operate and just clean up the whole block. It was actually available. And six months later, I saw it and I bought it for $3,000, raised the funds, got some donations. And then I was over here on this block, Avalon Street. Simultaneously, we had a fundraiser one year after his death to raise money for a park for children his age, you know, maybe up to six years old, like a toddler park almost, and created a park in his name, which is called Jacoby Rock Park. And it's here in Avalon Village. It actually is three vacant lots that were very, very blighted when we moved over here, cleaned those up and made that his park. So he's buried at the cemetery, but it took like nine years actually to put the tombstone, the headstone is actually in the park, which is a beautiful addition. It's a marble headstone and it has Jacoby Rock Park on there. So that is like fully and officially Jacoby Rock Park and just made a space for children to be safe, families. Uh, we do concerts over there. We do a lot of beautiful things for the children to keep them busy. We just did a hood camp over the weekend. We did music camp. That was a four-week camp. So Jacoby Rock Park is a space where I even marry people. It's a lot of stuff going on there. The colors are bright. We just built an amphitheater for Jacoby's Park, which is a stage. And so it has lighting in it and it just got painted too. We had gotten a small grant just to have that painted. So now the children are able to perform on it or whoever wants to perform. Like I said, we just had Reggae in the Hood, which is Jacoby's birthday, August the 17th. We just did our 10th one. And so it's usually this big old street party. And we had like three reggae bands vending Caribbean food and everything. On that day, we also honor Marcus Garvey because they share the same birthday. So we just do this big old shindig. And so it's a lot of fun, but it's free to the community to come. And so those are just some of the beautiful things that happen in his part, in his name. And folks really look forward to that event or whatever comes out of the park. And so it seems like every year I add something on for his birthday. So getting the stage or the, the amphitheater painted, we had that done by August the 17th for his birthday. He would have been 16 years old this year. So it was like a sweet 16 birthday party. So, so we have the balloons and everything. Everybody had sparklers. It was so nice. He had a really, really nice party this year. <laughs> Having been able to uh, stand in that space that is Jacoby Ross Park, it's uh, special on so many levels. I mean, to recognize how it brings community together, how it helps shape community and help community to happen. You know, we noted, too, that you have an, a kind of an open market, I guess I would call it, on Saturday mornings. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I can. I can. So the idea of the village is for it to be an eco-village. So the village is built 
basically the idea of being an eco-village. So everything that we want to build is we want to build it with the green infrastructure. That's using solar, that's using geothermal heating and cooling, that's using recycled shipping containers, anything that can make us uh, more self-sufficient, self-reliant, and also just more cleaner energy and more healthier for the environment. So we decided to use old shipping containers to build a store and it's called the Goddess Marketplace and it's an economic initiative for women entrepreneurs. So every Saturday from noon to eight, women come, they set up a table, set up a tent, their businesses, and we have an open marketplace. There's music to be played, there's food sold. Each woman is actually able to sell her wares and everything all day long into the evening. We have DJ for music sometimes. So it's an open thing and we're just building it up. Actually, Mother's Day weekend is when we have the very first one. And the idea is to have it all the way until October, till it gets too cool to actually sit outside and um, be involved in the marketplace. So it's seasonal in that aspect. However, the building that Tom is talking about, the recycled shipping containers open all year long. I have heat in there and also I have solar lighting in there too. So it's off the grid. So we decorated a nice 40 foot shipping container, insulated it. And we just have a bunch of things, wonderful things, candles, incense, oils. And then even though the women are not able to sit out in the wintertime and sell, they're still able to have some of their things in the goddess marketplace and they're still functional and they're still able to be uh, sold. And so some of them may have a full-time gig somewhere, but if they make clothing or if they make jewelry and they just have enough, they're able to sit it there and still able to uh, expose their businesses and operate their businesses. So that's what the Goddess Marketplace is about. It's really cool too, because it gives uh, women an opportunity to operate their businesses with, without all the overhead. A lot of the brick and mortars uh, have. And also it's an example of how they can actually have a business inside of their backyard or to be able to occupy a lot maybe they have right next door to them or some extra land. So it's like a in-home business, but it's not. I call it thinking inside the box. I do uh, <laughs> women yeah, women like entrepreneur <laughs> workshops to show them. I mean, people say uh, thinking outside the box, but here you could think inside the box and put your things. So basically showing them how they can obtain land all the way to having it built out with solar and everything. So that's what I help to the information I share with women entrepreneurs and also how to have a backyard business as well. So it's the same concept, but you can have it in your backyard. You know, have your shipping container back there, have your customers, a little bit depending on whatever it is that you do, and just making them know that it's possible. You have uh, stretched my thinking by thinking inside the box. I mean, that is just a great way to put it. So uh, hopefully uh, some of our listeners will think inside the box as well and and consider what the possibilities are inside. Yeah. I would like to invite you too to talk about the homework house because that's just an incredibly impressive space and uh, talk about the origin of the homework house and what's happening with that okay so the homework house that is one of my most I'm just really proud of that that's the main thing anytime and rightfully a, so yes yeah is. rightfully so it is anybody that moves to a new city moves to you know moving somewhere else they look at the schools if they're raising families they look at the school system. And so I figured since we were building a village, to me, the very first thing to actually build was uh, something that's educational. And so what we did was the homework house is basically an educational support system for the children in the community. So it's not a school, although we do have homeschoolers that will have classes there, but it's a space where children can come. They can eat a full meal. They can take a shower if their lights and gas and things like that is cut off. They can get help with their homework. That's important. They can iron their clothes. It's a space like that. There's a studio in there where they can do music. A computer lab uh, will be set up. It's just a lot of things to do. We have two kitchens, three showers, washing machine and dryer with a washroom in there as well. So it's a lot of things uh, in there just for them to feel at home and also safe, which is very, very important. A lot of times, and I think statistics show that a lot of things happen to children right at four o'clock, between four o'clock and eight o'clock in the evening. And so to me, it was really important for us to just go ahead and gather up whatever children wanted to come. At least we know that 
we got like 40 or 50 here and keeping them night, you know, keeping them safe. Saturday classes as well. So it's this big old house, but the origin of it is so funny because the house was on the demolition list, okay? And I was like, oh my God, that house can't get torn down because here's the ministry house, the house that I'm in right now, the Moon Ministry. It's a nonprofit organization. And then here's Jacoby's part. And then the other part was the other house. So them tearing it down was just, to me, it was crazy. And plus, the bones was still so good on this house. Like, why are they going to tear this down? The inside just need to get gutted. But the brick was very, very good on the house. And I just couldn't see it so miraculously. And I actually still don't know how it came off the demolition list. And it did. And I was <laughs> able to buy it. <laughs> it did. And that's just like something unexplained even to this day. And so uh, we got it for uh, $2,300 is what I bought that house for. And it's a big old two-family flat. And um, it just was perfect. I said, this is perfect. I said, we have the park right here. We have the house here and in between. And I said, and the children could be safely tucked right there in the park with both sides. So that's what it was so important for it not to be uh, demolished. We raised funds back in 2016 for the homework house. Um, in the village, initiate the village and everything. We raised 243691 in 30 days with the Kickstarter campaign that we had going. That was like almost like a real miracle for real, for real. But we pulled it off. And I remember talking to my team and they were like, well, maybe we get um, like 50,000, raise 50,000. I said, That's, that ain't even enough for the roof because we got a metal roof on our homework house and we have solar panels on our homework house. Plus we have geothermal heating and cooling in our homework house because we really wanted to make this the first prototype of ones because I want to build more, at least four more in Highland Park. But this will be the prototype and this will be the model after them. But yeah, it's a beautiful space. It has murals on it. So we're very excited. Right now, actually, we have a cleanup and organization day scheduled for next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where volunteers will come. We're going to go through some books, set up everything, kind of weed out some stuff that we don't need. So that's kind of exciting, but we're getting ready. And even today, my project manager, before this interview started, he came over with some good news. We were having issues with geothermal heating and cooling. Actually, we didn't know how to run it yet, you know, and this other company was doing it. So we got somebody else. And these guys are just like so wonderful. So it's up and running both units up and down. And it's cool down there. You know, it's cool and everything. Uh, He's going to provide the maintenance. So we got somebody locked in that could take care of us in case we have any problems. So, yeah, the homework house is a really, really cool space. It's beautifully decorated. We have beautiful artwork. I have artwork from local artists that I've been buying up. And also I've been getting stuff from the Facebook marketplace because I'm just, I love shopping on Facebook marketplace. So a lot of our (laughs) stuff is not new, but it's like really funky. So, and it's like seventies, some of the stuff too, because I want to give it like this warm flavor when the kids come in, they're able to smell food and it can kind of look like their grandparents' house or something like that. But it's kind of got like an old school flavor from some of the stuff that I've been collecting for a few years now. So this is like the fourth year that I've been building it and it'll be finished. We're going to have a grand opening celebration or open house actually on my birthday, October 19th. I just decided that today because everything's (laughs) going to be all tied up and, you know, just all the little kinks and everything. So we got time. So I was really happy to settle on that day. I was thinking with the, uh, you have the uh, funky music and kind of the 70s vibe. And I mean, Marvin Gaye died way too young. The thought occurred to me is, you know, what if Marvin Gaye showed up today and saw what was happening at Avalon Village and then wrote a whole new version of what's going on? Yeah. You know, because, uh, because there is something going on. One more thing about the homework house is uh, one of the things Wendy and I were so impressed with was... Um, I think it was the second floor was devoted to music. Yes. And uh, if you could say something about that and why why the commitment to music. So one of the things is that uh, a lot of the programming and just different things for children to really explore and nurture and expose to them their creative side is not available in the schools and different things like that. A lot of programs are kind of shut down or the funding, unfortunately, doesn't flow through where we live at a lot. For the children. And so another thing is, too, is that Jacoby's father is a musician. So Jacoby used to be 
working on the turntables even when he was two years old. It just was, I'm like, well, how does he know how to do these things? He had his headphone on. I remember when two years old, I'd walk into the shop and I would see him and he'd be rapping and everything and stuff and have the microphone and just, and then doing something with the buttons and everything. So I was just really amazed at that. And so a uh, studio upstairs was just, that was a must. There's turntables. We have 20 guitars, violins, where children learn. We also do an annual hood uh, music camp. It's called Sunboy Records Music Camp. Sunboy Records is named in honor of Jacoby because he's a sunboy. And basically, that's to teach children music, to help them to tighten up some of their skills they already have. They do a program. We teach them about just making records and everything music history. We have producers come in. We have a saxophonist who is well-known. He comes and he's actually the director of the music camp. Guest musicians come in. So I thought that was really important. We have like 70 crates of records in the studio that we're putting up there. We have a sound booth that was built out for us and everything. So it's this whole room that's an actual studio that actually adults can use as well. Turntable stations is the goal. So it's really nice, but it's a whole floor where the children just can explore music, drum sets and all of that. So we thought that that was very important. I want to welcome uh, Malika Pryor to our conversation. She's worked closely with Mama Shu on this project in uh, Highland Park. And so wanted to get her insights and uh, thoughts about how the project has come together and how it's progressing and just how it fits into maybe an overall vision of uh, addressing traffic safety concerns in, in Highland Park. So welcome, Malika. Thank you, Tom, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to just start out with a question of just asking you, you know, what your role has been with our uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 uh, Highland Park campaign in uh, cooperation or in partnership with uh, Avalon Village. Sure. So a little backstory. I'm a long time or at least more than a decades long resident and homeowner in Highland Park. It is a citywide, small city, but citywide challenge nonetheless when it comes to traffic safety, um, speeding, the rolling through stop signs, sometimes just the unabashed blowing through stop signs. And in December of 2020, there was actually a rollover accident on my street, like residential street at my corner, my corner house. And with the pandemic and really being shifted to at the time, 100% remote work, I spent a lot of time outside and just began to notice this pattern pretty early on of, you know, just again, the rolling through the stop signs, the, the speeding through the stop signs. I call them the charger club. I'm sure there's like a legitimate true charger club of people who purchase chargers, which are very cool cars. But I refer to this particular charger club, not so affectionately, that would just kind of speed up and down and use these re- and use our residential streets as, as throughways between two major thoroughfares in the city. And it bothered me. I mentioned it. And there seemed to be, um, and it's funny, it's kind of like when you get a new car, or at least it's new to you, and suddenly you notice it everywhere on, on, on the road. I started to also notice when I became more aware and cognizant that this was happening in my community, that others had quite honestly been complaining and been raising this issue for quite some time. So that this was really a, a challenge that, the again, the city was having across the board. But after the rollover, that was just sort of like the, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I went about doing research on traffic calming. And I didn't even know that that's what the, the phraseology formally was for it. But just trying to figure out what municipal or community-based, community-generated possibilities existed. And Mama Shu, who has been doing work for a very long time, for the better part of 20 years in Highland Park, who I've known nearly my entire life, I had awareness, of course, because she lost her youngest son, Jacoby Roth, to a fatal traffic accident had been working in traffic calming, had been working in building this awareness, but I had no idea that she was generating this new initiative with Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. But I requested 
you know, essentially to hold court with my city council. And fortunately, my district council member was open to that idea and gave me the opportunity to present at a workshop. And I had just been doing, you know, research and I put together a presentation and Mama Shu was on the line for that um, particular workshop. And she touched base with me directly and said, hey, I'm working on something. And what you're talking about, what you're presenting as the first of what would be a three to four phase proposed idea to build out a sustainable traffic calming initiative to work towards zero fatalities in the city of Highland Park is exactly what I want to be doing right now. And that phase one was an information campaign with Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25. And that was my entry point into the project. I'm grateful, uh, Malika, for you coming on board and uh, supporting the the local effort. You know, because for our listeners, I can't emphasize enough how how important it is that local ownership is really key to creating any kind of a, um, of a traffic safety education campaign that is going to truly work to engage the community as a whole that it can't be just something uh, from outside forces trying to, you know, force their way in and say, well, do this or do that. And just somehow something magic will happen because I know from the beginning, uh, you know, 23 plus years ago of uh, starting Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, you know, one of my uh, mantras almost is, has been that we are the solution to the problems we cause. <laughs> You know, because we're the speeders, we're the ones who run stop signs, we're the ones who won't put down our cell phones and all kinds of behaviors that, you know, contribute to uh, a lack of of public safety and, uh, you know, put ourselves and other people in danger uh, all at the same time because of not being cognizant of how our behaviors can affect ourselves and other people. So very grateful that you've come on board to to really help to uh, coordinate the effort. Anyway, uh, one thing that's very unique, I think, about your uh, focus in Highland Park has been the engagement of the arts community. And just want to invite you to speak to that and in terms of uh, maybe the importance of the arts community and their particular engagement in, in this project. Sure. So one of the really great attributes of the city of Highland Park, and, and I, I would submit what I refer to as sort of the, the tri-city, which is Detroit. Hamtramck and Highland Park. And so for people that aren't familiar with Detroit, there are literally two cities, Highland Park being one of them, that are 90% surrounded by the city of Detroit itself. So of course, when the city of Detroit was first founded, its physical footprint was much smaller. By 1930, it has expanded to its current footprint. And that meant that it enveloped these two cities. And so there's quite a lot of cultural exchange and legacy building that has happened between these three spaces, although they still remain distinct in their own way and Highland Park being one of them, but something that they all share, all three cities, is this really rich grassroots, locally oriented arts movement. And I mean, of course it expands beyond that. You've got like Cranbrook Institute that's further up the way, but thinking about the incorporation of art into everyday life is something that is just really, really strong is a current through, throughout both. And again, Highland Park is no exception to that, but it isn't necessarily something that's always being thought about in a super conscientious way. Many people don't realize that they have dozens, in many instances, award-winning nationally and regionally, in some cases, and internationally um, renowned and lauded, highly respected artists that are working, but also living in Highland Park that have selected and have chosen this city as as their home, and in some instances is their hometown, right? And so one of the things that I knew right away, and Mama Shu has definitely incorporated that very prominently on Avalon and with respect to Avalon Village, just always having art and color, just as an, almost as an immersive for the village, that there was just a lot of support. And I, I definitely thought that it was important to, or really critical to incorporate art because in order to capture the city, you need someone that has vision. And so I thought, what better way than to use murals, which are definitely a very well-established art form, um, but in more recent years has taken to the streets literally. A lot of times we would think about street art as wall murals. One of the things that we're seeing as folks all over the world, quite frankly, are looking at how do we solve for this issue of speeding and just unaware driving you know, again, they're literally taking taking the message to the road itself. And so we decided that we wanted to do that as well. Cameron Jenkins, who is a great local artist 
who is a member of the Highland Park Arts Association, who recently completed a, a beautiful mural on the New Rivertown Market, which is in Lafayette Park, a, a neighborhood or district on the Lower East Side of Detroit, was selected and was open and willing um, and just very curious and supportive of creating a, a street mural. And then we had a young artist who, well, right now is in Ann Arbor because she attends the University of Michigan, but is a resident still of Highland Park who took a a fresh look at the the standard traditional Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 lawn sign and then developed a another utilizing a Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 um, slogan that centered Highland Park and pulled on colors that you'll frequently find both in Avalon Village, but in murals that sort of a wink to many of the Black-owned businesses, particularly during the 60s, 70s, and 80s that were established in Highland Park as divestment um, increased exponentially, but helped to, to retain stability for the city. And so they all turned out really, really beautifully and interplay, particularly with the color, which again is such a huge feature of Avalon Village as well. I would agree, uh, you know, with the the remake of the Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 logo with the mosaic uh, structure of it, it, it just pops. I don't know. I'm sure there's other words I could use for it and everything, but that's the first one that that comes to mind. You know, for me, it, it's gratifying to see the kind of spark and energy come out of, uh, of local artists. You know, I do want to acknowledge uh, and allow you to acknowledge, you know, who, who the artist is, you know, behind this, uh, this remake of our, our Keep Kids Alive design. Oh, uh, Olujimi <laughs> Edison Ali. Uh, she also happens to be my, my, my eldest child. Um, but I, th- I think in this instance, uh, more importantly, is... Um, a third year student at a stamp school of art and design at the University of Michigan. So I, you know, I asked her to bring color and in a pinch. <laughs> and she, she definitely did that. You know, I'm very grateful that the Dolo Jimmy was and uh, got, became involved uh, in this project. Uh, you know, it's, it's great to see the artists not only engaged, but you know, the, the residents out into the community that that uh, allows to happen you know, personally, I, I just think that, you know, art in many ways is uh, a silent kind of invitation to draw us in to recognize, you know, how we could be better people, yes. how our communities can be better. And uh, I think that's certainly reflected in the artwork that has been uh, created thus far. Well, thank you. And um not that I can take any credit other than, you know, working to coordinate the folks who are the creative minds behind it. But um, but I completely agree. Well, I, I think it's like the, the conductor of the symphony is, uh, you know, they may not be able to take uh, credit for playing every note, but without them, it might all fall apart. <laughs> and so I'm grateful for you being such a, a great connector within the community and, uh, and knowing the folks to, uh, to invite and to work with. So thank you. Absolutely. I wanted to invite you to talk a little bit about uh, Jacoby. Who was he? What was his spirit? What was his spark? He shared with people while he was living and breathing and, and how he continues to live and breathe through uh, all the people who are touched by his life. So what we like to, I guess, honor is our ancestors. And Jacoby is obviously an ancestor. And so basically we call his name all the time because that adds on years of memory and also his essence every time we say it. So even when I leave and people still say his name, that was why it was important to build a park after him. It'll continuously resonate to me throughout, you know, the universe. So that's important. And also the ancestors give you strength as well. So Jacoby was this sunny little chocolate boy of mine. He was 10 pounds and two ounces, actually. He was the largest kid that I actually had. He was my fourth (laughs) child. He was. I was amazed at how big this boy was. You know, first of all, (laughs) let's talk about that. But he was the sweetest thing. And and he, he, he lived for two years, one month and six days old. But everybody was so attracted to him. He had these beautiful round marble um, eyes and he loved music. And that was a thing about him that I could remember that he was involved in and he would dance and he would move. So 
in the short life, that is something that I always remembered about him. And that's why I helped to build his record company, because I said I want to the record company, Sunboy Records basically is to help nurture children's stars and it's to help nurture them in a healthy way. A lot of times young people want to get into music and they want to rap and they want to do all this and that. Well, we, we do it and we nurture and love them, show them how they own their, their own masters, show them how you can eat right things that you got, you got to study and you got to have something else. That's what the homework house is about. Yeah. We got that studio up there and all of that stuff and anything is possible, but you got to have some other things that's uh, rolling in your life too, to, to help you to make money and to take care of yourself and also to be safe. A lot of times in the music business, the children are exploited. We show them those things early on. And so they're able to produce records and music and everything safely and with people that they can actually trust that will take care of them and make sure that they get all ends if they want to get into the music business or want to get be an entertainer. We show them the things how you have to stay grounded. And we show them the things that to look out for when you get out there in the world and you get yourself a record deal or whatever. You're going to remember in Sunboy Records Music Camp, in the Jacoby Ross Studios, you'll know that the things that are here to protect you and that from love, straight up, you know, just from love. So, but yeah, it was just his ability to do like the turntables. That was one of the things that really stood out with me because it was just shocking. It was like he was like a prodigy, how he knew how to do the buttons and everything, like an engineer. And the stuff would sound and his dad would be in the shop with him. And that's what his dad would do, play music and everything. So it latched on to him in a natural way. And so basically, because I am him, I am Jacoby, he's not here physically. So as his mom, just like kids or whatever that are here today and with their parents and their living and everything, to me, there are still goals that the children had set forth when they come arrive on the planet and when they're born. And so basically it's just like nurturing him and making sure that uh, his stuff comes through and he's just still not here. So that's why it still feels like he's here because there's things that represent him because I hear things that, you know, moves and stuff that I should do. And it's basically him being in his voice or his essence being demanding, I'm here to produce this mommy, you know, just like any kid asks you for stuff, you know, uh -huh. you know, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, do this, do this. And so I was real busy, you know, <laughs> I was creating. So mm -hmm. he was a he was a creative child and him making this transition and everything too. it basically set forth everything to like have no fear of anything. I think with any person that has children, a crazy thought passes their mind every now and then that, my God, what if something happened to my kids? What would I do? You see things happening all over the world to children. And then you said, oh, my God, I don't know if I can actually take it. And so with Jacoby dying, I knew that obviously I can take it because I'm sitting here talking to y'all right now. And I'm able to withstand everything and still be able to produce in his memory. So that in essence, having no fear of anything, period. After that happened, it was just, to me, that was the worst thing. So it's strength and it's also the fearlessness that Jacoby's spirit um, leading here physically in the planet has given me. You know, it reminds me that, you know, years ago, as more and more families connected with our mission with Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25, because of the death of a loved one, is uh, we initiated what we call Live Forward. And Live Forward is all about bringing good into the world in honor of loved ones who have died. And your work, your mission, the reality of what's happening in Avalon Village is just such a, a large example of the kind of love that continues to, uh, to live and influence and touch and motivate and help to continue to create uh, in this world. You know, because Jacoby lived, and his spirit continues to live in every action and every person that ends up being connected with the ministry that you have created. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, for me, I just want to affirm that. Yeah. It's just so obvious. You know, we've had a special opportunity to connect over the last year because of a grant that we got through General Motors to uh, help create a uh, community-based project to focus on traffic safety concerns, especially from an artistic standpoint, you know, coming back to that artistic theme then we have something very special that's uh, developing in Avalon Village and in Highland Park. 
with our uh, partnership. And I'd like to just invite you to talk about that, you know, maybe about some of the recent artwork that we're beginning to see that's uh, coming out of that. Yeah, so I'm really happy about this. This is something that we kind of sort of even talked about when I came to Nebraska, that this would be a possibility one day to be able to have a campaign, Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25 a campaign, and for it to be able to spread and come to Highland Park. And it's 2.9 miles. We always thought that it was doable. And then now it's, it's doable. We're actually doing it. What I'm very happy about is that this is like the first one we're doing. We have some districts here in Highland Park and Malika and I, and she's basically heading the initiative. And so I'm happy to be able to have this in the very first district, our district, and be able to have it spread to the other, other districts. So we're going to get it right and get it tight with this first time. And then we'll be able to show them and just basically be an example, which is very important in all of my work. A lot of times people think that things can't be done and then we can just show you here's how it can be done. You don't have to have it all in just a big, big kind of way. And it's basically what you actually expect and what's realistic, but you can always do a thing and it could be something manageable and small and then it could grow. So this gives to me this initiative Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25, bringing it here in Highland Park and specifically in one district. It gives us a blueprint on how to build it and branch it on out. So I'm very proud of getting that. Some of the muralists that we have is just, oh my God, this one that we just connected with is just fantastic. I cannot wait to have him just do his work and he's actually going to do some other work in the village. He just completed a beautiful mural with some fruit and everything down on the side of a market. I'm talking about like really some upscale big projects. We asked him, could he do this? And when he knew what it was for and everything, he was just on board right away. So I'm really happy about that. But uh, yeah, it just gives people a chance to, and then also for folks to be aware, we got a lot of stuff going on, just like all over with uh, folks drag racing and driving fast and all of this. I think that it is very fitting for the campaign to be initiated. Things just fall into alignment, which I really love, is that uh, it's very fitting for it to start here. I was already connected to you guys and had a relationship. So this was a good thing to uh, happen here and to be able to stem out. So I'm, I'm very proud that we're able to have this collaboration basically to help the children, you know, just stay safer and for people to recognize and slow down. Malika, what benefits do you see for Highland Park as you initiate this Keep Kids Alive campaign? Well, I really do see it as a beginning. One of the challenges that we have as a city is being able to see our way through to to an end place. Um, you've got a lot of folks who have a lot of passion, who really care about the city where they live, care about the city in many instances that they're from. I think that one of our challenges has been not always having the, the infrastructural support to be able to see things through. And so my hope is because Mama Shu and I were willing to go through what sometimes was difficulty of navigating a system that did, that hadn't really created a pipeline for these kinds of ideas or for innovation that one, you know, it opens up a door for other districts. So we ended up focusing on with the grant monies that were funneled through Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25. So we wouldn't have been able to bring this into physical fruition without that financial support. So we're incredibly grateful to KKAD 25 for that. And just the overall support time, I have to say, and I'll and I'll I'll give a shout out to General Motors for making the grant possible so that yes. uh, yeah so that yes. we could funnel the money to where it can do some good. Absolutely. So we focused on district 2. We are the central district. So the thoroughfares that we're focusing on buttress district 1 and district 3. So even to the extent that we aren't able to directly penetrate those two districts with lawn signs or other kinds of activations, people who live in those districts are still able to see, engage, and interact with them. 
but really as a beginning point to model for other districts what the possibilities are and hopefully to have cleared a path so that there's just a more regularized and regulated way for people to be able to do these kinds of things um, for other organizations and for us grounded here in Highland Park to be able to provide that technical support, whether it's, you know, to your earlier point, coordinating with other artists or, you know, thinking through what some possibilities might be and hopefully even being able to partner again with KKAD 25, just you know, again, being of service in that sort of way. But then also to your original question in terms of how I came to be involved in this project, we know that Highland Park needs physical street-based, design-based interventions in order to establish long-term and sustainable traffic calming change in the city. And so what we're also hoping with this is that we're going to be elevating that message. I refer to this as like the least political question. Making the streets safer for our children to, to, to walk, for our elders to walk, um, and for all individuals to, to ride and drive. And so that this becomes not only an opportunity to, to sort of set out a model for, for, for other districts to utilize, but also to serve as the launch pad, right, to really just elevate this message so that we can drive and hopefully just build some momentum around getting some things done and moving to that next stage. Because Highland Parkers deserve it. Again, Highland Park sits connected directly to two other cities. And so the folks who are residents of those spaces deserve that as well. Definitely. And, you know, one of the things uh, I want to make an invitation to our listeners, because I, I never know who's listening. Uh, you know, we were able to get the General Motors grant because uh, somebody at General Motors was listening to the podcast. If you're with an organization that can help move from step one to step two to step three to step four in terms of, um, you know, what needs to be addressed within the community as a whole in Highland Park uh, or in other communities as well, please be in touch with me at Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 because that's what we're all about is uh, helping to foster that uh, grassroots involvement that can help create and even recreate communities to be uh, kinder and gentler to pedestrians, to cyclists, and to we ourselves as motorists and uh, passengers in motor vehicles as well. Because to me, it, it, it all has to work together and we need to be considerate of everybody who is a part of this puzzle that needs to be put together. And so, uh, you know, Malika, I'm grateful for the role that you've played in helping us get started in, in Highland Park. But I'm, I'm hoping, too, that that is just a beginning, too that will continue to seek out funding opportunities to help support all that needs to eventuate itself in Highland Park. One of the things uh, I wanted to ask you, you uh, are known as Mama Shoe, and I wanted to hear the story behind Mama Shoe. I know that comes out of a tradition, I gather, and would like our listeners to learn about that. In our community, if you're an adult, man or woman, you address each other as Mama Baba, which means father, whatever their name is. So you would be Baba Tom. The way that the children or folks would look at you as is tradition, basically in Africa, they address it for a respect of the elders. And so there's a lot of mamas. Mama Taliba, Mama Mayawa. Everybody sees me as mama. They say my whole name, Mama Shamayim. And that's where Mama Shu came from. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I I think it's good for us to be stretched in uh, our understanding and appreciation of how culture influences how we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that, you know, the children who uh, come to Avalon Village. They certainly benefit from uh, the wisdom of the elders in helping to influence uh, their decisions that they're making not only today, but hopefully long into the future as well. I know in uh, meeting Malika, who you had mentioned, uh, she's coordinating our uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 initiative in Highland Park, that she's also known as Mama, but that you were Mama to her as she was growing up. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you is... uh, You know, is there something that you've learned about yourself through these past, uh, I guess it's 14 years now since uh, Jacoby died? You know, what's something you've learned about yourself in uh, embarking on this this mission and this ministry with uh, Avalon Village? Well, I think one of the things that I kind of noticed about myself, I think I'm kind of tough. 
and resilient, actually. I mean, I mean, I, I guess and, and a lot of people go through a lot of things and stuff. And I've been through, a, you know, a couple of things through, the, you know, this journey. But basically to still be able to do it and not fold, I'm very, very appreciative and happy about that. I know that some people that go through some of the things that I've went through and maybe other people have went through, they're not able to bounce back. I'm just really uh, surprised and grateful of how I've been able to be, you know, on the healing journey, you know, of this and to just look at things or whatever another way. It is what it is. And the things happen and they just happen. But when you can get through them and endure them, apparently it was bearable. That makes me think like, whoa, okay, then if anybody can just kind of roll through some of the experiences that I've been through and still keep going and still be able to build and stay focused. I'm really happy about that. So I think that um, it's shown my resiliency skills are on point. You know, they grow and grow every day because, you know, it's some days it's, it's tougher than most days. But to be able to bounce back is uh, is a good thing. And to be able to be able to bounce back and have something that you can work on that can help you to heal that's good for the people, then that's really a plus. And I, I am so grateful not only to have met you, but to be able to witness how you extend yourself out. And when you mentioned to the people and with the people, you know, I think it's that personal connection that makes such a difference in every one of our lives is to be able to have those connections. Yes. I had to look up the meaning of Avalon, you know, because it's, uh, it's Avalon Village, it's on Avalon Place. And, uh, you know, one of the definitions of Avalon is Island of Paradise. I suppose if we're uh, wandering across the desert, we really would like to see an oasis and uh, get some sustenance there and get refreshed. And uh, I really see and having experienced being on site at Avalon Village, I think that, uh, you know, the definition is appropriate that there is this island of paradise there in Highland Park and that everyone is welcome. Everyone is encouraged. Everyone is uh, supported. And you have given so many examples of the ways that folks are engaged and supported and, and launched from uh, the village as well, because, you know, the good that happens in Avalon Village is certainly not restricted to that physical space. Everyone who uh, visits, uh, everyone who benefits from any of the services that are a part of your mission goes out to other places and uh, certainly brings good to other people as well. And so, you know, to me, coming back to kind of the origin story and, and uh, Jacoby's story is that, you know, his love and spirit and life uh, goes out to so many of us who never got to meet him, you know, physically in person, but are certainly influenced by the gift of his life to this day. You know, with that, I, I'd like to invite you, uh, are there any final thoughts that you have? Uh, any thoughts that are running around your head? It's like, well, you know, I would not want to end this conversation without saying these things. <laughs> so um, some of the final thoughts is when we talk about Jacoby being the child that basically made me have just no fear in building and, and just doing everything. I'm not afraid of anybody saying no. You know, I still keep going. I mean, I'm just not like, OK, you know, and I'll just keep it moving. But my other son, uh, Chingelu, which you have back there, a picture of Chin. Now, Chin just became an ancestor. Um, actually, uh, seven months ago on the 28th, he was murdered. He was 23 years old, and his name means invincible. And I want to leave some of the, the last word to be invincible, be in, unbeatable, stay focused. It doesn't matter what happens in between. If you want something bad enough, if you want something for yourself bad enough, for your community bad enough, then you got to feel that you can't be beat. And that's what my son, Chinyelu, his spirit is basically leveling up in my spirit as well. So on top of being fearless, I'm invincible too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so right. all of that or whatever, Tom, okay? I'm just a regular <laughs> badass over here, okay? <laughs> so, so... So has the new coach of the has the new coach of the Lions invited you out to uh, uh, to share with the team how they might be invincible as well? <laughs> look, hey, they could look. They can get a couple of notes from me, 
Yes, they can. And the cool thing about it is, is that I do want to say this, and we didn't mention this. I have a, a basketball court that's built, actually. It's brand new. We got a grant for that. It's very beautiful. When you came, I believe it was just everything was just in the making and everything. Now it's solid. I have youth over there playing basketball. And it's all of Chinyelu's friends and stuff, too. I call them my community sons. So I, I had four children. And then the two girls that are left. I had two girls and two boys. And my boys are in the spirit world now. And it just always seems like their spirit is just always elevating. So I, I, I feel Chin's uh, energy just building with his friends. They coming through. They're doing stuff. We get ready to do a coat drive. It's called Coats on the Court. And so they've been online and everything, drop off some, uh, you know, coats for the children. We're going to give them to the schools there. So it's a way to show them activism and show them how to do wonderful things in their community where where they were raised and everything. So, yeah, I just want to just let folks know to just stay focused, stay focused and um, have no fear and be invincible. Malika, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, I mean, if you walked away and said, well, gosh, this is something I really wished I had said or I'm thinking about or I thought about while we're having this conversation. Sure. Um, The one thing that came to me, a friendly reminder to anybody that ever thinks about, I mean, I I think it's hard for anybody, at least out loud to say, well, who cares about safe driving? I mean, I think at this point, at least the average American was at the very least coming of age with MAD, right? And the movements against drunk driving and texting was not a thing when I was coming of age. So I'm aging myself right now. Um, But I definitely remember um, the onset, right, of texting while, of of the campaign around texting while driving. Um, and even legislation, right, going into effect um, to to mitigate for folks doing that because it's just such a dangerous practice. So I don't think anybody will ever say it's a bad idea, but I think that sometimes these kinds of activations end up being placed a little bit lower on the priority list because we're often thinking about, you know, in a city like Highland Park that is such an economically depressed community, it's like, oh, we've got to deal with remediation, we've got to deal with crime, we've got to deal with income disparities. And all of that is incredibly important. The odd thing about perhaps the beautiful thing about traffic calming is that if it's if if it's strategized in a really holistic and smart way, you can do that. You can literally reduce crime via traffic calming, beautify communities, which makes people more likely to utilize them appropriately and less likely to, to violate and vandalize you can bring new business into your community by engaging traffic calming strategically and reduce crimes. And if you reduce petty crimes, you reduce major crimes because people don't start off committing major crimes. They start off committing smaller crimes. And if you can mitigate smaller crimes, people are far less likely to think that it's okay to do those larger crimes because what makes them feel comfortable doing that is that they just don't think anybody's around, anybody's looking, and that there's going to be any kind of consequence because nobody cares. So a space that appears cared for and is being thought about is a space where people that want to do their dirty deeds are just not going to feel comfortable or safe, (laughs) Um, heavy quotations, engaging in that kind of nefarious behavior. And so traffic calming has the potential to solve or at least contribute really actively and deeply to a number of challenges that cities like Highland Park find themselves facing. And so in some ways, by um, feeding this one seemingly small bird, we have the potential to, to feed others that feel much more daunting and, and large and, 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 and overbearing and threatening. And that's also one of the reasons why I'm so incredibly passionate about traffic calming, not just for the basic save lives, which is should be enough, But then on top of that, it has the potential to do all of these other things um, that have been proven in city after city, town after town. And so I think that's just the one thing that I would that I would add that traffic calming is so much more than just people driving slower. It's really about making your neighborhood the kind of place where where you want to live and where and where others will want to live and shop and and engage. Malika, I don't think that I've ever heard anybody articulate what needs to be said so well. Oh, uh, no, I, I honestly, and uh, because, you know, I don't know what I could add to that except to uh, to thank you, you know, for sharing all of that with us, because I think that applies to communities all over the country as well. 
you know, one of the things I, I have always thought and have said on occasion is that, you know, I've, I've never uh, seen an advocacy group for, you know, going to city council or and saying, well, we really want to raise the speed limit on our street. We do. We just don't think that people are moving fast enough. You know, the right. drivers are driving, you know, and we'd like to create uh, more hazards. We'd like to, I mean, people, they don't think that way and they don't talk that way. They don't act that way. And yet, you know, we think about what we really do uh, want to envision for our neighborhoods and for our communities as a whole, you know, is recognizing that we, we, we have to go beyond the words, that we have to, we have to engage in the behaviors that uh, help that to happen. We have to uh, engage in creating the infrastructure and the spaces that are going to help mitigate speed and, and also create uh, safer environments for pedestrians and cyclists and kids out playing, people out walking their dogs, yes. uh, whatever the behavior might be that, uh, that people can feel good about just walking down the street or being able to safely cross the street. That part. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm really grateful for the um, articulating that. I, I think that'll be of great benefit to uh, uh, other people that if they, they can't say it as well as you did, uh, they can take a recording with them. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure being in conversation this morning. Well, thank you. I, I always enjoy it, Malika, that uh, to have these conversations and look forward to those in the future as well. I look forward to, you know, seeing photos of some of the signs as they're posted up so that we can share that on our Facebook pages and yes. uh, in other in other mediums. And uh, hopefully this is just the beginning of some uh, good things that will continue to happen in, in Highland Park and that we'll be able to partner with you all in uh, helping to make that happen. Well, we are definitely looking forward to it. And again, Tom, thanks so much for, for both, for both funneling and bringing this. And um, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful. Um, although, you know, again, I, I like to think of challenges as chances. Mama Shu offered up the opportunity for me to be able to get more meaningfully involved with the city where I live and to just have a chance to be a better neighbor in a way that's like very practical and actionable because she's, she's just been doing incredible work for, for so long um, and deserves to have as much support as, as humanly possible. So it was also great to be able to be in community with her in this way as well. So how can our listeners, how could they get involved in supporting uh, your mission at Avalon Village? The listeners can get involved with just going to our website, theavalonvillage.org. They can go to the Facebook page. We also have Instagram. You're able to uh, volunteer if you want to send us. Uh, we have a volunteer link. You're able to donate. We have things on the wish list um, that are available that we need in the homework house. We're getting ready to put up something about the STEM lab. So we'll be looking for STEM lab materials. It was built out of a grant. It's off the grid too. It's across the street from the homework house. So it's another shipping container is what it is. And it's off the grid. It'll actually have heating and cooling in there, but it's off the grid as well. A deck is being built on that. So the children will have more study space to sit outside and study and everything. So, and then they can even call too at 567-525-8170. And uh, you're able to set up tours to be able to see what we're building, to be able to see what we have uh, coming soon. Um, but yeah, they're able to connect that way. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, for your love, for your uh, spirit, for your encouragement. You know, I, I feel like I should add a lot more words and everything, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, suffice it to say, one of the things I try to remind myself every once in a while is that two words that express the least I can say and the most I can say are the same words. Thank you. Thank you, too. Thank you. Thank you for opening up the opportunity. And I hope some of our listeners, uh, if not all of you, you know, will, will get involved in some way that you can to support the work of Avalon Village. Yeah, and for our listeners, a little bit of background on this is uh, we started the Keep Kids Alive podcast at the beginning of 2020, pre-pandemic. Uh, I'm not sure how many of us even knew what a pandemic was, you know, at the beginning of 2020. But one of the things that happened is uh, in August of 2020, I was contacted by the charitable division of General Motors, and they said they would like to give us a grant to be able to work with some communities around the country on traffic safety issues. And uh, I asked how they had heard of us, and the response was because they had listened to the Keep Kids Alive podcast. And so and since one of the areas that they wanted to work with was in Detroit, their home base, and Highland Park is actually surrounded by the city of Detroit. 
It was a very natural partnership. And I, I think that if we're going to appreciate how we're going to address traffic safety issues and could be other issues as well, is recognizing how important it is to start from the ground up. People in the community, they're very aware of the problems and challenges, uh, in this case with our project, to have to do with traffic safety. Uh, but they also are very creative in terms of coming up with solutions and ways to engage the community. And so in Highland Park, the unique opportunity there has been to uh, engage the artistic community. You know, eventually uh, our Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 logo will be integrated into uh, this mural art that may be on uh, school buildings, may be on street art, but also in a uh, kind of a redesign of our uh, own Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 uh, logo that helps personalize it for the community. And so this engagement really helps to build local ownership. It uh, is an excellent example, not only in Highland Park, but in projects we're doing in St. Louis and in Phoenix as well, can translate into communities across the country as well. So I, I certainly welcome our listeners to uh, connect with us through our Keep Kids Alive website or uh, by emailing me off of that to find out what we can do in your community as well. Thank you for listening. Please visit kkad25.org to find out how you can support Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And get involved by following on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, it's about kids. It's about safety. It's about caring. It's about time.